0: How does one become spiritually healthy? Where does one go to become spiritually healthy? And more than that, what is spiritual health? These are some of the questions we're going to examine today and perhaps give you a few answers in this episode of The Unhappy Christian. Well, I want to take a few minutes today just to talk to you about spiritual health and why it is I do these broadcasts. Uh, I'm not looking for fame. I'm not looking for popularity. I'm not looking to um, monetize the gospel, as so many do today, who preach the gospel for profit. Um, I'm not interested in um, being having all the answers for people. I'm not a guru. I'm a I'm a man who is in Christ, who has been uh, given certain spiritual gifts, and it's very important to me that I be faithful with those gifts in service to you. And so, the reason I do these broadcasts is because I want to share with you the spiritual health that I have been able to come to, uh, as have has my, my wife and my family, for the most part. Um, <clears throat> as a result... Uh, some suffering, and to be totally frank, um, my suffering at the hands of clergy and at the hands of uh, cultural Christianity, and uh, the the um, uh, point, the point almost leaves me speechless talking about it. The point where I had to recognize and and grow up and discern what was true and what was false. And the only way I knew to do that was to prayerfully and contextually engage the text of Scripture uh, until I found the gold, until I found what, was, what it was that um, the, the Scripture, what the text was here to reveal to me. And of course, what the text is here to reveal to anyone is the person and the work of Jesus Christ in all his beauty in all his glory and how that through him we have fellowship with the father and with the son through the ministry of the spirit and in the ministry of the spirit and so that we are now in a state by faith of adoption as children of God who are joint heirs with Jesus and no wonder John says in his first epistle, look at what manner of love, what kind of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. Now, John wasn't being sentimental there. He wasn't doing a rah-rah hype uh, thing. He was marveling at the fact that God not only sent His Son into the world, but that He sent His Son into the world to make atonement and to purchase for His glory a people with whom He would unite them to His Son, with whom God would unite to His Son and conform them into His image. So, every believer is in the process of being conformed into the image of Christ in thought, word, and deed, and nature and character. We're working out the life of Christ in us. We are still who we are. We still have our unique personalities. But because of our union with Christ, we are being conformed into His image because the old Adamic self, the person we were when we were born, has been crucified with Christ. That story has come to an end. And so, the reason I do these broadcasts is I'm here to tell you that uh, as important and as helpful as psychology and philosophy and sociology can be, to some degree, the only way that we become spiritually healthy is in Christ. Now, that sounds simplistic, and given the headwinds that we are up against, with so much counterfeit cultural Christianity today, uh, you you really can't look at American Christianity and honestly believe that anyone can become spiritually healthy in that environment. It's it's just not there. It's any good systems analysis will tell you, or analyst will tell you that. You are getting the exact product that the system is designed to produce. And a cultural Christianity cannot produce mature, well-equipped, healthy Christians. It's just not designed to do that. Now, what is it designed to do? It's designed to give um, egocentric preachers who are filled with selfish ambition and greed a platform so that they can be something in their own eyes and they can gather adoring fans who call themselves members of their church and they can have uh, not only their platform on sundays they can do a television broadcast or a radio broadcast and they can they can have this this large following and everything centers on them and not on jesus christ And so you can be conformed into the image of your celebrity pastor. I've seen that happen. I was part of a church before that happened, back in the 1970s. There was a time in the district of the denomination I was involved in at that time, in which the the leading pastors of that district uh, all dressed the same. They all wore khakis, polo shirt, and a cardigan sweater. They all look like they're going out to the golf club and um <laughs> and and they all decided to use stools and throw away their pulpits and sit on the stool and talk casually and It was kind of a hip slick and cool way of approaching teaching and preaching and the fellow who started it did it out of necessity his his feet and ankles just not what allowed him to stand for two or three services, so he started using a stool. Well, it suddenly became fashionable for everybody to use a stool to sit on and to speak rather casually and conversationally and really not teach, but just just talk, quote, from the heart, end quote. That became the thing. So that within 10 years, every young pastor coming into that denomination, certainly within that district, wanted to look and talk and act just like that it wasn't it uh, wasn't about teaching like jesus taught it was about teaching like bob taught or jerry taught or roy taught it, it, it was that kind of a thing <laughs> so you you can be conformed into the image of someone and you will be let me just emphasize that you will be conformed to something somewhere we are in ourselves are not the end game. We are not so isolated. And we are not so self-contained that we are without uh, coming under influence. So someone and something will influence us and we will begin to reflect that. Well, it's God's will that you come under the influence of his son and that you come to look and sound like him. Not like me, not like your preacher, not like your parents, not like some charismatic political figure or religious figure. You are to look like his son. That's the will of God for you. So I want for you to be able to attain spiritual health or shalom, as the Hebrews would call it, uh, uh, wholeness, well-being. So what is it? What is it that I'm speaking of when I speak of spiritual health? Well, I'll give you a couple points here. First of all, it is the mind and will centered upon the will of God. That's it. The mind and the will is centered upon the will of God. There's nothing sicker, there's nothing more twisted, and there's nothing more broken Than a life centered on self-will run riot. There's nothing more antithetical to spiritual health. Than self-will run riot. So the path to spiritual health. Has to do with setting the mind and the will. Upon discovering and walking in the will of God. So, And right relations with others is part of that. So loving God supremely and doing his will and loving others sacrificially. That's what spiritual health looks like. And that is modeled for us, of course, by Jesus. So when I was in graduate school, I was probably two-thirds of the way through my studies. I was studying counseling psychology at a Christian school and um, Christian graduate school. And I realized one day that as helpful as my training was and would be, I mean, it is possible to get some good help uh, if you see a good therapist. I'd like to say if you see a good Christian therapist, but... Uh, there are a lot of Christian therapists, quote-unquote, that aren't good. And so uh, you want to just see a good therapist. And so clinical work has its place. And if you've suffered trauma, if you've had some serious abuse in your life, uh, it may be important for you to get some uh, some therapy and somebody who's going to be helpful to you. uh, There are things you can do in therapy. You can... um, you can find a sense of advocacy. You can find somebody who stands in for you, well, until you can learn to stand in for yourself. You can uh, learn self-care. You can learn moderation. You can learn to set boundaries. So there are some very important things that that clinical work can help you. And I'm I'm not anti-clinical work. I have very good, even dear friends, who are. Um, Ph.D. level and master's level therapists who do very good work. Uh, But I realized myself that ultimately, in order to be mentally healthy, you have to be spiritually healthy. Spiritual health is in the primacy, simply meaning that it comes first. Spiritual health is in the primacy over mental health. In relational health. If you are not spiritually healthy, you're not going to be mentally and relationally healthy. Now, I've deliberately left out physically healthy because there are people with chronic diseases. There are people who are suffering, and this old body of ours is wasting away. And so we will get sick. There will be chronic diseases, and sometimes those diseases are serious, and even debilitating, but even then, if it is not God's will, and you're not you're not healed completely, and God does do that, but in your case, if you are suffering chronic uh, illness, um, that does not mean that you cannot be spiritually healthy. It does not mean you cannot be mentally healthy and relationally healthy. So. Uh, it is possible then for you to even have some kind of chronic illness and still be spiritually healthy. So, spiritual health is setting the mind and the will on doing the will of God and right relationships with others as that was modeled by Jesus. Now secondly, we have to realize that that is a work of the spirit. The basis for which is being born of God. Jesus told Nicodemus and that his his uh, instruction echoes down through the ages that unless you are born of the spirit you cannot see the kingdom of God. And so being birth of the spirit is the basis for which we have of course a spiritual health. We can't grow chronologically and physically until we're actually born. And we can't grow chronologically and spiritually until we're actually born of the Spirit. Because sin has destroyed human nature, has, has made caused human nature to be spiritually dead, so that every child, every baby is born spiritually dead, albeit physically alive. They have to be born, have to be raised from the dead, have to be born of the Spirit. So a spiritual birth, which comes about as a result of the sovereign grace of God upon the mind and the will through the hearing of the gospel. You cannot manipulate spiritual birth. If you desire to be spiritually uh, alive, if you desire to be born of the Spirit, that's because you've already been born of the Spirit. (laughs) The Spirit's already worked upon your heart and your mind. The average rebellious sinner has no interest in being born of the Spirit. So you may have an experience that affirms that for you, but anyone who desires to be born of the Spirit and to be a child of God, well, that desire is indicative of itself, indicates itself that you have already been regenerate. The Spirit moved upon your mind and heart, most likely through the preaching of the gospel at some point, and you were moved. You were given new life in Christ. So, spiritual birth, followed by conduct in accord with a um, what it means to be a faithful child in the house of God. So to be spiritually healthy means that the mind and will is centered upon the will of God and developing right relationships as modeled by Jesus which is a work of the spirit. And then you have your responsibility number 3 within the community itself to be grow into maturity to be equipped Ephesians chapter 4 speaks of the fact that the pastoral gifts are given, apostle, pastor, teacher, evangelist, prophet, are given to the church not for the self engrandizement or the personal comfort of the one so gifted, but for the building up of the church, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry and for the maturation of the saints, so that they can grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ, which is, by the way, the devil's worst nightmare. And no doubt why that is the battle is so hot on that point. There's nothing more challenging to your spiritual health than to be in a church or denomination where the ministry has been usurped By the clergy. Perhaps you have an ordained priesthood. These men and women who have special powers. And and you must go to them for certain things. Perhaps you have a celebrity pastor. Or or someone who thinks that they're the senior pastor. And so all blessing and all the work of, of the ministry must come through them first. And they've usurped and robbed you of your place and your ability to exercise your spiritual gifts within the body of Christ because it's their job to do that. They are usurpers and should be resisted. And if they don't repent, you should get away from them. Part of spiritual well-being, spiritual health, is exercising your spiritual gifts now, every Christian has at least one spiritual gift, and some have many. So, the next thing is beginning to discern good from evil. In Hebrews chapter 5, the author uh, rebukes his readers, saying that he has much to tell them about the priesthood of Jesus. But it is, quote, in verse 11, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. That's Hebrews 5.11-14. through 14. So, this part of spiritual maturation, of course, is essential to spiritual health. Gaining spiritual health is about growing up in Christ. It's about learning to discern between good and evil. And if ever the churches needed discernment, it is today. I am astonished at the number of false prophets and charlatans at work in American culture. And I think of any poor person who actually comes to Christ has a legitimate conversion experience, is born of the Spirit, and has even gone through the waters of baptism, and then begins their Christian life, what kind of a circus they are most likely going to walk into in American cultural Christianity. And how the, the deck is stacked against that person ever becoming spiritually mature. Ever becoming spiritually healthy. So that's another reason I do these broadcasts. I, I, I don't have the ability to make anyone spiritually mature through an audio recording or a podcast. But I can contribute. I can be one voice that maybe helps direct you in the right direction. Helps to point you towards how to become spiritually healthy. So we have to discern good and evil and know where the lines fall between falsehood and truth. And let me just say very quickly, today the temptation, and I I can't stress this enough, the, the temptation today is to place those lines between the left and the right politically, between the left and the right socially, between the left and the right philosophically. And, and those, those lines are hardening. Those positions are hardening. And, and Christians have failed in their discernment to realize that both the left and the right are part of the same wicked system. That they've placed their line between the left and the right, aligned themselves with mainly the right, even though there are many Christians who align themselves on the left, and then they call each other good or evil. I mean, I've heard plenty of and I know you have too by now. If you've been around for any length of time, if you're, if you're listening, you've heard it. One woman told her son that she was brokenhearted because she'd, he had gone over to the devil's side, over to the devil's army by voting Democrat. Another person feels like the uh, their child or their family have gone absolutely crazy, insane, and even reject each other. Christians rejecting another Christian because one voted for Trump and the other didn't. See, these are just smoke screens. These are simply distractions. The line for every Christian, is between good and evil. It's between this present evil age and the kingdom of God. That's where the line belongs. And you, if you are in Christ, you do not belong to this present evil age. Galatians 1 tells us that Jesus died to set you free from this present evil age. He died not to free you to be a Republican or a Democrat. He died to free you from the influence of both of those systems which are part of this present evil age. He died to set you free from the domain of Satan. And I'm telling you again, both the left and the right, politically, socially, philosophically, belong to this present evil age and if you get hoodwinked into thinking that somehow you can align yourself with either the left and right and find refuge in your christianity you've been deceived No, nope. the lines fall for the christian between this present evil age and the age to come to which you now belong that age that jesus inaugurated With his death and resurrection, that now and not yet state, where you belong to the future coming kingdom age, which is already at work within the community of Christ. So that's one headwind you have to overcome. The other headwind, of course, is finding fellowship. It's easy to find churches. There are churches in every corner. But are they even churches? Really? Are they really churches? Jesus warns the churches in Ephesus, and he warns the other churches in the Revelation, uh, the letter to the, of Revelation, of John's Revelation in chapter 2 and 3, that he warns them that he will remove their candlestick if they do not heed his voice if they refuse to listen to the voice of the Spirit. And those churches, none of them exist today. And so there are churches that Jesus has removed the candlestick. He's not there. He's not part of it. He doesn't bless it. They go on as if nothing ever changed. But he's not there. And you're not going to find spiritual health by attending one of those churches. The goal, you listen to some people, and you would think that the goal of the Christian life is to go to church. And if you check that box, then you're good. But the goal of the Christian life is to be conformed into the image of Christ by the work of the Spirit, through the Word, and within the community of Christ. So, Merely going to church is not going to solve anything for anyone. It's not going to happen. My dog's barking. (laughs) Excuse me. So, finally, spiritual health, you must realize, is a narrow, even lonely path with few in your fellowship. If your goal is to be part of a big megachurch, if your goal is to be part of the latest happening, it took me, I had to step out of the evangelical world for about a year or so or more, in which my wife and I maintained fellowship with other Christians. We didn't step out of the body of Christ, but we did step away from the church scene. And the further I got away from it, it's like anything else. You began to see it for what it is. And I saw the church that we had been going to, finally, as this big box machine, this this real retail machine selling retail religion to consumer purchasers. And it all, all it costs you is 10% of your gross income. But the whole environment in that church was set up to provide consumers... With the right kind of worship music, the right kind of preaching, the right kind of programs, the right kind of atmosphere. So that American cultural Christians and consumers will get their needs met. You're not going to get spiritually healthy in that kind of environment, folks. It's just not going to happen. They're not there for that. These big box mega churches with celebrity pastors aren't they don't sit around praying as how to grow you up in Christ and help you gain spiritual maturity. They're there to advance their own interests. Now, are there exceptions? I'm sure there are. Are there decent churches? Are there good churches? Yes, there are. Are there good holy godly pastors in the world? Of course there are. But they're in the minority. They are the exception. And folks, they always have been. God's holy people have always been the exception to those in the world. There's a reason why Jesus said in Luke, he told his disciples, Fear not, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. In the early days of the church, it was the disciples against this incredible structure in Jerusalem. The temple, the Pharisees, the high priests. Hundreds of years of tradition. And it was them. Filled with the Spirit and following this crucified and now risen Nazarene. So they had to be prepared To be outside of the camp. They had to be prepared to come outside the camp. In fact, in Hebrews 13 13, the author says, Let us go outside the camp to him. And so you must be prepared if you are really truly interested in being spiritually healthy now if you're you're just interested in being part of the latest happening and having lots of social friends and, and being part of this religious network then 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 you can find that anywhere it's easy to find what I- isn't easy to find is genuine fellowship with people who are moving in the same direction of you with you they are following the same blood stained footprints of Jesus through the narrow gate and the straight path. So my contribution into your spiritual health is to help you develop the hearing of the Spirit in the text. And so what I do whenever I post an episode... I'm going to be engaged in some study, and my goal is is to help you learn to read the text and hear the text as it was intended to be heard. I'm less interested in you hearing me as I am you hearing the text. And so I will interject. I will offer my thoughts and my insights only to encourage you to continue to be encountered by the text. So you, when you read the text contextually, what I mean is, for instance, a letter with four or five chapters, an epistle with four or five, that was intended to be read all at once and to be heard in one time, one reading. And so mostly every letter, I would think the Gospels as well, were, were intended to be read all the way through in, in one hearing, one setting. How far have we fallen? No wonder so many Christians are dull of hearing. They don't know how to hear the voice of the Spirit in the text. They are devoid. They are deaf when it comes to hearing the Spirit in their life. No wonder they're struggling. Now, I'm not speaking about some charismatic craziness where the Lord told me who's going to win this week, the New York Jets or the Dolphins, or who's going to win the World Series, or who you should marry, or some other... not that, that, that is just a false, counterfeit version of what I'm talking about. No, I'm talking about you being engaged by the text of Scripture through the ministry of the Spirit, so that you develop a hearing, you begin to hear the voice of the Spirit in the text. In the New English version, New English translation, and Hebrews, excuse me, Revelation 2 and 3, at the end of the address to every church, where it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The translators have added, um, which I think is accurate, he that has an ear better hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. I mean, there's a sense of urgency there. He who has ears to hear better hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So contextual reading and study of the text. That's the fastest way to learn to hear the voice of the Spirit. And that is where you begin to move in the direction of spiritual maturity and health. And as you get mature spiritually, as you become healthy spiritually, lo and behold, you begin to grow mentally healthy as well. And you learn to discern good and evil, which is a tremendous help in you being able to um, develop healthy, loving relationships and fellowship with other Christians. Now, this is in contrast to a lot of the devotional reading where you read some some passage ripped largely out of context, and then you read in the mornings two or three paragraphs of somebody's take on that passage. Um, or you read some proof texting commentary, or you read some you become sermon-dependent. Uh, you run around listening to, to two, three, four, or five sermons a day, when you could spend that time instead actually engaging the text, allowing the text to encounter you and hear the Lord yourself. Or maybe you spend all your time reading theology books. Maybe you have a library filled with theology books or the latest pop Christianity books. Or you're following some silly devotional like uh, Jesus Calling. I mean, Sarah Young, I think is her name, she's she's becoming quite wealthy and quite popular, uh, touting these um, special voices that she claims to hear. And though she she attaches scripture at the bottom of it, of course... Of course, you've got to have credibility. You're being robbed. You're being, you're being manipulated in order to stay deaf and dependent upon these types of things. Now, is it possible to do devotional reading? Of course it is. My wife and I do it. We'll take 15 minutes and set aside and read a portion of a text, and we'll be careful to consider the context and in the, in the in this historical background for the text so that we get the meaning of the text because after all, the meaning of the scripture is the scripture. If you don't have the author's intended meaning of the scripture, you don't have the scripture. You just read a bunch of nice sounding words. So you want you want to read the text in such a way that you're reading contextually, that you're being led of the Spirit, you're being illuminated, and it is a joyful thing. I want that for you. It is a joyful thing to be encountered by the Spirit while you read, and you suddenly you realize the Holy Spirit is speaking with you. He's speaking to you through the text. Your eyes are being opened. Your ears are being opened. Your heart is being softened. You're beginning to recognize that you see things in the text now by the work of the Spirit that is edifying and builds you up and encourages you, perhaps convicts you, but you are spiritually on a good path as a result of it. And you can share that then with someone else. So, let me close with this. I want you to be spiritually healthy. I want to contribute to your spiritual health. I want to be one voice that is actually expressing genuine concern for the things of Christ into your life. And to be spiritually healthy can be challenging in these perilous times. So, I've told you that spiritual health is a mind and will centered upon the will of God, not self-will run riot. It is loving God supremely and loving others sacrificially. But that is only can be done as modeled by Jesus and is empowered by the Spirit. I've told you that you need to grow in maturity and be equipped for the work of the ministry. There's only one reason you go to church, and that is to be equipped by those who have the pastoral gifts and to be brought into maturation so you too can be of service to the body of Christ. You don't go to church to be entertained. You don't go to church to entertain. You don't go to church to uh, find social a, a social network. You don't go to church in order to advance your business interests. You go to w- church in order to be equipped for the work of the ministry and to grow into maturity in Christ and then help others do the same. That's why you attend a fellowship. And then I've told you that you must learn to discern falsehood from the truth and place that line where it belongs, not between left and right politically or socially, but between this present evil age and the age to come of which you are now a part through the ministry of the Spirit. And then finally, I just told you that it's a narrow, even lonely path with few few people who are genuinely in your fellowship circle you may know hundreds thousands of christians you may be a part of a huge church but in the final analysis i'm 67 years old and i've learned if nothing else in my 45 years in christianity then in the final analysis you end up with five or six close christian friends and that is a blessing sometimes you end up with one or two Our culture, our American culture is simply not designed for intimate relationships. And I don't mean sexually or romantically, I mean spiritually intimate relationships where you have fellowship, genuine fellowship with other people. It's not set up for that. We're too busy. We're too distracted. It's just not American. (laughs) It's just not American to have healthy, intimate relationships. (laughs) We're too busy. Earning the American Dream, or what have you. Well, I'm done. I hope this has been helpful. I want you to know this is everything I do when I upload these um, podcasts and these broadcasts or these sermons is to help you grow into spiritual health and maturity. You can't be mentally or relationally healthy until you do. So may the Lord strengthen you May the Lord preserve you, and may the Lord continue to conform you into the image of his blessed Son. Amen.